Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. So, chapter 11, book of Exodus. For the past several weeks, we've focused our attention on several of the aspects of the nine plagues that God brought uh, upon Pharaoh and Egypt. And so, there's been nine that we've kind of made mention of during that process. Let me review just very quickly. First of all, the water was turned into blood. Second of all, frogs throughout the land. Number the third plague was gnats. Fourth, the swarms of flies. Um, and then there was the uh, pestilence on the livestock, boils, hail, locust, and then darkness. Nine plagues up to this point. And I have said that those nine plagues were a prelude to the, to the final plague, which was all along it is the one great act of deliverance that God was going to perform in Egypt to secure the release of his people from slavery. So this last plague, this 10th plague, if you will, is actually the one. It's, um, it's the one great work of, of deliverance that God is going to do in Egypt to deliver his people. So we're going to turn our attention now to that final plague, the 10th plague, and we'll probably be talking about it for a couple of weeks, all right? So Exodus chapter 11, beginning in verse number 1. The Lord said to Moses, yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt, and afterward he will let you go from here, and when he lets you go, he will drive you away completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they may ask, that they ask, Every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold jewelry. For the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. Verse 4, so Moses said, thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle, there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been nor ever will be again. But not a dog shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. We talked about that last week. And all these, your servants, shall come down to me and bow down to me, saying, Get out, you and all the people who follow you. And after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in hot anger. And then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you, that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. In verse 10, Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh, and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I need your anointing this morning. I pray that, Father, you would lay your hand upon me, and that God, you would give me an instructed tongue to, in these next several minutes, to communicate, Lord, what you want to say to your people here today. God, I believe that you have a word for us. God, I believe that you have something that you want to do in our lives. And so, Father God, I pray that nothing would hinder that. 
I pray that, Lord, you would rebuke any spirit, anything, God, that would try to take away from your words. And, God, I pray that you would loose your Holy Spirit. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us this morning. Give us faith to believe, God, and give us the will to become obedient to you, Lord, I pray. Father, if there's anybody who's here today that does not know Jesus Christ, Father, I pray that you would deal with their hearts, that you would speak to them today, God, that you would reveal yourself to them, that they might call on the name of the Lord so that they might be saved. Father, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, the final plague, this final plague was God's plan from the very beginning. That's the point I've been trying to make, that this final plague was God's plan from the very beginning. He had, if you remember, he had sent Moses to Egypt with these words. This is back in chapter 4. Um, he had said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all of the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. So the, the death of the firstborn, which is the final plague, was God's plan from the very beginning. It was God's plan from the very start. This was, this was God's intended end game in Egypt, the death of the firstborn. He wasn't, who knows, God wasn't improvising events in, in Egypt. He wasn't trying different things. He wasn't improvising events. In fact, he was orchestrating events because everything was going to lead to this final plague, the death of the first, firstborn. Everything all along was going to lead to this final plague and more importantly, to the institution of Passover, which which became the defining experience of salvation for the descendants of, of Israel. Passover was the point. Passover became the defining experience for the people of Israel. It is Passover by which they began to understand their identity, who they were as the people of God. It was Passover that defined for them the terms of salvation. This is how God saves his people. This is how God delivers his pe people. And, and I can't emphasize that too strongly uh, this morning. We, we're not going to talk about Passover actually until probably next week. But it's, it's important to realize what it came to represent for the people of Israel. That for the people of Israel... Um, the people of Israel understood from Passover. They began to understand how God redeemed them from, from Egypt. Moreover, um, Passover for us, Passover is the framework that helps us to understand um, and to recognize and to appreciate how God has saved us through, through Jesus Christ. 
Passover is the example that God has provided in his word to, to affirm and to illuminate to us. This is how God redeems his people from sin. Amen. That's what Passover has come to represent. It's, it's the framework of salvation. In fact, I believe if, if it hasn't already happened to you, after we finish going through the book of Exodus and, and you continue to read through the rest of God's word, you'll probably be surprised by um, how often you'll see in, in some other book, some other place, some reference to Exodus, some reference, some allusion to the plagues or some allusion to uh, the Passover, because as you read the rest of God's word, everything kind of points back to this moment in the book of Exodus when God delivered his people uh, through, this, through this final plague. That's because what Exodus records is relevant to the entire story of God's salvation in his word. The, the story of Exodus is the story of how God redeems his people how God saves his people. And we'll see that more clearly as, as we do uh, get into and we read about this final plague and we read particularly about uh, the rite of Passover. But I mention it now because I want to make a couple of important points this morning from the passage that we've just read. And actually, I've already made the first one, all right? So one of two points down, all right? That's pretty good, right? Um, but I'm, I'm going to make it again. Um, God does not improvise in his work of salvation. God doesn't improvise when it comes to salvation. Um, he orchestrates his work of salvation. This final plague, as I said, is not, not the last thing on a long list of previous things that God had tried, but those things had failed uh, to work this last thing, this last thing, it was the thing. It was the plan all along. That's important because, listen, in, in the same way, in the same way, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, it was not because Jesus failed to deliver us in some other way. It's not because he failed to be a political king. It was not because he failed uh, to overthrow the Roman government. It was not because he failed to deliver us in some other way. Remember, even his disciples uh, the whole time were kind of expecting that he was going to march into Jerusalem and he was going to overthrow the government or that he was going to be this messianic king. And so even up to the very end, they were kind of had this expectation that Jesus was going to save them, but he was going to do it in a way that, that they thought it was, it was going to happen. But when Jesus died on the cross, how many knows it wasn't a failure? It wasn't because he failed to do it in some other way. It was because that was God's plan from the very beginning, was that Jesus Christ would give his life as a ransom for many. Now, Peter explains that in Acts chapter 2. When Peter is preaching on the day of Pentecost, and you remember the scene that, um, Folks from all over had gathered together, and they hear them speaking in tongues, glorifying and praising God, and they say, what does this mean? What is this all about? And so Peter, as a good preacher, says, 
I'll tell you what it's all about. And he begins to preach the gospel on the day of Pentecost. And this is what he says in part of that sermon. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God, crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. In other words, Peter is saying this crucifixion, and Peter would was, Peter was say that even I didn't understand. Remember, it was Peter who's, when Jesus said that he would die, it was Peter that said, not so, Lord. You'll never die. I, I won't allow it to happen. Now Peter, after the day of Pente- on the day of Pentecost, is saying, no, now I understand. That was God's plan all along. That was God's definite plan according to his eternal foreknowledge that Jesus Christ would die on the cross, that he would be killed and crucified so that God could then raise him up so that he might loose the pangs of death on all of, of us. The crucifixion was not plan B. It was not God's failure to achieve salvation in some other way. It was God's definite plan from the very beginning. Amen? And we see that in the Passover story. This final plague is, is not the last of a long list of things that other things had failed. So God said, now I'm going to try this. No, this was the thing. This was God's plan uh, all along. In fact, Peter elaborates on that later in his first epistle. And he says to the church, knowing that you are ransomed, you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. You see what Peter is doing? He's going back and he's associating it with Passover, the lamb and the Passover. And he's saying Jesus Christ was God's lamb foreknown before the foundation of the world. God had ordained it that he would give his son as a ransom for the lives of many. It was God's plan A. God doesn't make mistakes. Amen. Uh, He doesn't God doesn't keep a long list of things he's tried but that have not worked. He doesn't have a list of things that he might try next if if what he's doing now doesn't work. He doesn't have a list of things he's going to do next. He doesn't have a plan B. God has one plan, and how many knows he is working that plan? Amen. God is working his his plan. Now, I don't know how that makes you feel this morning, but it makes me feel better. Uh, Because sometimes you look around and it seems like nobody knows what's going on. I mean, there might be some that try to convince you that they know what's going on or that they know what what ought to be done. Um, Can I just tell you a secret this morning? I don't trust any of them. (laughs) I don't trust any of them. 
because I know that there's only one who knows exactly what's going on, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen. He's the only one. He's, so that gives me comfort to know that even when it looks like nobody else knows what's going on. Listen, can I tell you this morning? Sometimes I don't know what's going on either, but I'm glad that I know that Jesus Christ knows what is going on. And that, and that God's not up there improvising, but that God, has, that God has a plan. It makes me feel better to know that God is in control. And if I will put my trust in Jesus Christ, this is what I know. We talked about this last week. I think it was last week anyway. If I put my trust in Jesus Christ, I have this promise from him. He has said, I will save you. I will redeem you. And, and that if you, this morning, if you are a child of God and if you are living for his glory, then I can tell you that you can know that you know that you know this morning that God is not improvising the events in your life, but God is orchestrating the events in your life. He's in control. Even when it may not seem like it, God is in control. And he's orchestrating the events in your life because he has a purpose. And he has a plan, which is the second point that I want to make from this passage. There's another point that needs to be made today, and it's right there in verse number one. Look back at verse number one. God says to Moses, there's one more plague. This is the final plague, and after this last plague, Pharaoh is going to let you go. After this last, this has been my plan all along. I'm not improvising. This is it. But then notice the last phrase in chapter 1. And when he lets you go, God says, and when he lets you go, he will drive you away. What's the word? Completely. He will drive you away completely. Completely is, completely is a key word in that verse. Underline it. Circle it in your Bible. God says, when Pharaoh lets you go, he's, this is the last plague. This has been my plan all along. And after this last plague, Pharaoh's going to let you go. Not only is he going to let you go, but he's going to let you go completely. He's going to drive you out completely. Whatever God does this morning, listen, he doesn't do it accidentally. He does it intentionally. God does it on purpose. God has a plan for your life. I said God has a plan for your life. So whatever he does, he doesn't do it accidentally. He does it on purpose. He's got a plan. He's working that plan, just one plan. He knows what he's, he's doing. And then second of all, whatever God does, God doesn't do it partially. God does it completely. He finishes. <laughs> he finishes what he starts. He finishes the work that he begins. Now, there's a couple of ways to understand that word completely, and the first is the most obvious way to understand that word, and it means entirely, entirely. So um, throughout the preceding nine plagues, you remember we've seen, we've seen Pharaoh at times attempt to negotiate with Moses and negoti negotiate with God. Remember he said, well, listen, I'll let you go, but go somewhere within the land. Don't go too far. Just stay inside of the land. And, and Moses says, what? No, we can't do that. And then remember, he says, okay, I'll let you go, but you, just the men, just the men go. You leave your kids here uh, with us. And Moses says, what? No, we can't. We've got to take our kids also. And then finally, remember, 
Pharaoh says, okay, I'll let you go, but all of you can go, but just leave your livestock. Leave your livestock here and the rest of you uh, can go. And Moses says, what? No. Um, but this time, God says, after this last plague, God says, Pharaoh's going to drive you away completely. And that is, he will send all of you, men, women, children, and livestock, and he will send all of you entirely out of the land of Egypt. So in the most direct sense, God, this is what God is saying to Moses. When I deliver you from Egypt, I'm going to take you entirely out of Egypt. I'm going to take you entirely out of, G of Egypt. Now that's that's important, so just hold on to it for a second, all right? God says, when I deliver you from Egypt, I'm taking all of you entirely out of, of Egypt. But just hold on to that for just a second because there's a, there's a second sense to that word as well. Completely can also mean perfect or, or whole. It can mean perfect. As in not lacking in anything. Not lacking in any way, it's the sense, uh, it's, it's that sense that James speaks about in James chapter 1 verse 4 when he says, and let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Lacking in nothing. And here's the, the wonderful truth about how God redeems his people, whether it's in Passover, we see it as an example for us in Passover, or whether it's in the real work of salvation that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. The wonderful truth is that in both ways, God saves his people. Amen. Jesus Christ completely saves. Aren't you thankful for that? <laughs> Jesus completely saves. In fact, the Bible teaches that God's work of salvation is a finished work, which means that it's complete. It's perfect. It's, it's done. Jesus, here's, here's how to understand that. Jesus did everything that makes it possible for us to be entirely saved. In fact, the last words that he spoke on the cross were what? It is finished. The work is done. <laughs> it's finished. What was true in, in Exodus, when, when God was finished with Pharaoh, and he said, Pharaoh's going to send you completely out. <laughs> All of you are going to be entirely delivered from the land of, of Egypt. What was true in Exodus when God was finished with Pharaoh is still true today because of what Jesus Christ finished on the cross. We can be completely delivered from bondage. We can be entirely saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. I think we just need to raise our hands to the Lord and say, thank you, God. Jesus completely saves entirely. What he does, he does intentionally. He does it on purpose. 
It's a plan. It's not, he's not improvising in your life. God has a plan in your life. And he is orchestrating events in your life for his glory. And what God is doing in your life, he's not going to leave it unfinished. He's not going to leave it undone. He's not going to do it partially and then stop. What God is doing in your life, he will finish and he will complete. Say praise the Lord this morning. Praise God. So not only does God have a definite plan for your life, but God is definitely committed to finishing the work that he has begun in you. He is committed to complete that work that he has begun in you. But you may be asking this morning, how does that work? And even if you're not asking this morning, I'm going to tell you how it works, all right? Because you're thinking this morning, but I'm not perfect. I'm not complete. And can I just tell you, none of us are, amen? None of us are perfect. And none of us are complete. So how do we understand that? How do, how do we understand that God's Word says that the work is finished, that it's complete, that it's, that it's done? Well, here's how we understand it. We understand that although His work is complete, His work is finished, it's done. What Jesus did on the cross, uh, what He completed on the cross makes it possible for us to be completely um, saved. Although his work is complete, it doesn't mean that it's complete in us. That it's not, it's not finished in us. Although his work is finished, that doesn't mean that it yet has its full effect upon us. Upon us, because none of us are yet perfect. None of us are perfect. Although, Hopefully, and here's the point, hopefully each one of us, if we have been saved, if we have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as Keith was talking about earlier, if we've called on the Lord, that means that each one of us, hopefully we are on our way. We're on our way. You see, when God said to Moses, when after this last plague, Pharaoh is going to drive you out, he's going to send you completely out all of you, all of the way out of Egypt. How many knows that when the work was finished, when it was done, he drove them completely out. That meant that Israel was completely out of Egypt, but they were not yet in the promised land. You see that? That's important for going forward. They were out of Egypt, but they were not yet in the promised uh, land. So when we, when we trust in Jesus Christ, here's how that works for us. When we trust in Jesus Christ, that means we have, been, we have been delivered out of bondage. We have been, according to God's word, we have been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness. And we have been made part of God's kingdom of light. Now that's shouting ground right there, folks, because that's... That's what God has done for us. That is the finished work of Jesus Christ. When we believe on him, we are regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. We become a new creation because of Jesus Christ. 
we are taken out of the dominion of Satan and we are released from his power and his control and we are put under the dominion of Jesus Christ. Amen? So when we are saved, listen, the devil no longer has any rights to you. He can't tell you what to do. He can't make you do anything no matter what. Well, there's a comedian that used to say that. The devil made me do it. Listen, the devil can't make you do anything. If you're a child of God, you have been delivered out of the kingdom of darkness. And you have been put into the kingdom of God's light through Jesus Christ. That's the good news. God has finished the work. We're, we're out of Egypt. And, and shame on us if we ever want to go back to Egypt. I mean, Israel, that's why it was so, um, so terrible that, that time to time Israel would want to go back into Egypt. They were, they were discounting the work of redemption that God had done for them through Passover. Listen, I never, never, ever, ever want to go back, do you? <laughs> because the only thing back there is death, destruction, <laughs> lies, and deceit. I never, never want to go back there. So each one of us have been delivered by Jesus Christ, but now we are on our way to the promised land. We have not yet been perfected um, because of that finished work has not had its full effect in our life. But we learn from Israel and we learn from this passage what is necessary for that work to be complete in us. Did you notice there's three things? Let me go through these. What time is it? Okay, i got five minutes to go through these things. There's at least three things that Israel needed for this work to be finished, for that work to be complete. Number one, they had to ask. God's Word says they had to go. He says, now you tell all of the children of Israel, you go to their neighbors, and they begin to ask. And and I don't want to dwell too much on what they were asking for. They were asking for gold and silver. And, and, um, but the point here is that God was conditioning them to expect that he was going to deliver them and that they had to have a desire in their heart for God not only to deliver them, but for God to do everything that he had promised to do in their life. They had to have a, they had to have a desire to go out. They had, a they had to have a desire to go to the promised land. They had to have a desire for God to take them where God had promised uh, to take them. They had to have a, a willingness for God to operate in their life. Then, then number two, so they had to ask. They had to have a willingness. They had to have a desire for God to finish that work, to do in their life what he had promised to do. Number two, then they had to allow God to work. Most of the work, listen, I'm thankful for this. The older I, I get, um, the older I get, the more thankful I am for this. I'm thankful that more of it is up to God than it's up to me. Amen. I used to think, and still do, I struggle. we all struggle with this, I think. We all struggle with thinking, I'm not doing enough. I ought to do this. Maybe I should do better doing this. I'm, I'm so thankful. I used to struggle a whole lot with that. I'm so thankful now that I understand more of it depends on him than depends on me. <laughs> Amen. More of it, if I'll just allow God to work. If I'll just allow God 
to have his way. God has said, you ask your neighbors, and he said, and I'll give you favor. I'll do the work. All you've got to do is ask. Aren't you thankful for that? That God wants, God will not leave undone what his purpose in your life is if you'll just ask and say, God, I want you to move. I want you to operate. God, I want you to have your way in my life. God, I'm making myself available to you. God, I want you to perfect me, and I want you to make me into the image of Jesus Christ. If the, what I'm saying is if the desire is there, if the heart is there, then God says, I'll do the work if you'll just make yourself available and say, God, I want you to do what you want to do in my life. Amen? So you got to have the desire. you got to ask. you got to allow God. In fact, just a quick side note. Uh, Moses, in fact, it says here that the children of Israel, I mentioned this before, they had favor with the people. And Moses in particular had favor with the people. I think that right there is an example that Moses is like the Holy Spirit. They had to listen to Moses. They had to follow Moses. He was the leader. And as Christians, listen, we have to listen to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and direct us. Amen. So we have to have the desire. We have to allow God to have his way, allow him to do the work. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit, cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And then the other thing that's required is, of course, death, the death of the firstborn. Um, they weren't released until the firstborn died. And we will, we, will not be, we will not be perfected until that old nature in us, how many knows it has to die? That's why Paul says, you got to crucify the flesh. You got to put it on, you got to put it on the altar and learn to crucify your flesh so that the power of God that is available to us, the power of God that will operate in us and through us can be allowed to operate and perfect us and make us into the image of Jesus Christ. But it, but it won't happen unless we crucify our flesh, unless we learn to mortify our flesh and trust in Jesus Christ. And that's a, how many knows it's a hard process it's a difficult uh, process. But God has promised us that if we'll trust in him, if we'll ask, if we'll mortify our flesh, trust in him, then he can perfect us. He will save us entirely. <laughs> he will not leave undone the work that he has begun in you. He will finish that work. Here's this, this passage ends in a, in a powerful way. I don't know if you noticed it, so let me point it out to you real quickly. It says that after, um, after all these things, when after the last plague happens, let me see if I can find it uh, real, real quick. Verse number eight. Verse number eight says, and all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me saying, get out you and all the people who follow you. Now, who's Moses talking about there? He's talking about the Egyptians. Here's, here's the beautiful thing about that. The people that the, that the Hebrews, the people that used to be lord over the Hebrews, the Hebrews used to be the servants of the Egyptians. Now they're coming as the servants to the Hebrews and saying, please go out from us. Here's, here's the takeaway. 
uh, from that. When we mortify our flesh, when we trust in Jesus Christ, when we allow God to do in us what he desires to do uh, through us, those who or that which once ruled over us, now we rule over those things that formerly ruled over us. Amen. So there are, in other words, there are things in our life that have, that try to exercise control over us that we battle with. We have to mortify our flesh. And right now those things, we may, some, some of us may still be in bondage to certain things in our life. Maybe you're here this morning and you're still in bondage to certain attitudes. Maybe you're in bondage to substances or maybe you're in bondage to certain patterns of thought or action in your life. I want to tell you this morning, God desires to give you mastery over those things. That you would be able to rule over those things that formerly ruled over you. It's God's desire to set you free. It's God's desire that you be saved completely, entirely delivered from the penalty, from the power, from the bondage of sin in your life. And I'm just going to add a couple other things I was going to say, but I'm going to wrap it up right there. Mike, would you come to the piano? And I'm going to ask you if you would to bow your head and close your eyes because I feel strongly that Maybe the Lord's dealing with somebody right here, right now, on that point. Maybe you're still in bondage this morning to something in your life, some attitude, some pattern of behavior, some sin in your life that you just, just haven't been able to get the mastery over that thing. And maybe it's because you've been trying in your own power, through your own strength, to do it. Here's what God says to you this morning. Look, the work is finished. The work is done. Jesus has already done everything necessary for you to be entirely saved and set free, delivered. The more you try to do it in your own power, through your own strength, the more frustrated you'll become. What you have to do is come to him and ask. Say, God, God, I want you to do in me what you desire to do in my life. Please, Deliver me. Set me free. Give me freedom from those things that have held me in bondage. It might be, it might be fear. I just feel like maybe the Lord is saying to somebody that they've been in bondage to fear for a long time. Listen, I'm telling you this morning, fear has no right to keep you in bondage. You're a child of God. You have been set free and delivered by Jesus Christ. He has paid the price. The devil has no right to hold you in fear. The devil has no right to keep you in bondage this morning, whatever it is. And I just feel like this morning you need to stand up and say, God, I'm trusting in you. I believe you have finished the work. It's a done deal. Jesus Christ died for me so that I could be completely saved. And I want to claim it this morning. If that's you this morning, I want you right where you're at, stand to your feet and say, Lord, I want to claim that victory that is mine in Jesus Christ. Just stand to your feet this morning and I'm going to pray for you. Hallelujah. 
Anybody else, stand to your feet. Say, Lord, I'm trusting in you. I want to be free, free, completely free. Hallelujah. Now, everybody, stand to your feet, if you would, this morning. Father God, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. We th we're thankful this morning for what Jesus Christ has done. Father, we believe that Jesus Christ has paid the price for us. He finished the work on Calvary. He has done everything that we need to be entirely saved, completely delivered. And so, God, I'm praying for those that stood to their feet earlier. God, you see the sincerity of their heart. God, you know, Lord, what they're struggling with. You know what battles they are fighting. You know, Lord, what they are facing this morning. And God, I'm praying that right now, God, you would deliver them, set them free in the name of Jesus Christ. We renounce the works of the enemy. He has no right to hold us in fear. He has no right to hold us in sin or in bondage. He has no right to hold us. So, Father God, I pray that right now, Lord, you would speak freedom and liberty, God, over each person this morning, that we would walk out of here, God, <laughs> on our way, you accomplishing in us and through us, Lord, what you desire to do in Jesus' name. I know it's cliche, perhaps it's cliche, but it really is true that each and every one of us, we're all works in progress, aren't we? There's none of us that are perfect. There are none of us. In fact, if you're perfect, speak with me after the service and you can preach next Sunday morning, all right? <laughs> There's none of us that are perfect. But thank God we have a perfect Savior and His name is Jesus. Thank God He has said, you don't have to be perfect. That's why I paid the price. He did the work for us. Amen. But we can say, but God, I want you to finish the work that you started in me, God. I want you to complete, God, the good work that you have begun. And I want to be all that you want me to be. If that's your prayer this morning, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we want you to do your good work in each and every one of us, God. We want to be completely free, Lord. We want to be entirely saved, God. We want to be entirely conformed into the image of your own dear Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you'll help us, oh God, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That, God, we will allow you to work in our lives, God. That we will cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Do what he says to do obey your word, God, that we would mortify our flesh so that, Lord, we might rule over those things that formerly ruled over us, God, and we thank you for it. Now, God, show favor and blessing, Lord, on each person, every individual this morning. Grant to them, God, your power and your grace and your goodness, and God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store 
and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.